Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast listeners, you are going to start hearing us recording from the sanctuary again. We have, as a congregation, decided to come back together to worship in person with masks on and a COVID protocol that is our way of prioritizing the most vulnerable among us, those who cannot be vaccinated or who are not vaccinated. So enjoy listening. And again, you might hear us from our sanctuary in Atlanta, Georgia. Some of the recordings might actually end up um, sounding different in this setting, but we hope that you continue to listen, give us feedback, rate us on your different podcast listening apps and take good care. Be safe.
go. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. So delighted to see each and every one of you this morning.
Creator God, thank you for all this time of stillness. Thank you for the grace, the peace, the strength and love, the warmth and your light and your lightness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit for our guidance, comfort, and strength. During moments of chaos, uncertainty, and fear,
it may be a situation that gets a little testy and you may be nervous. And you may experience this in school. I experienced this myself trying to defend someone. But it's the right thing to do. So take that as you take it. Like I said, this is off the cuff. I just saw this book. It spoke to me. Mm-hmm. It's called Accidental Love. And it's a word that we always use around Park Avenue. We call it intention. So if you put intentional love in front of that, we can be intentional about defending each other and standing up for each yeah. other in moments and times like this. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. Right before she comes up to church, just a few announcements really quickly. Um, for those of you who may not be getting our weekly church email, the announcements are always there, so if you're not getting those you would like to, let any of our pastors, Pastor Barnes, or Pastor Henry know, and we'll make sure you get on those uh, emails as well. So you'll be up to uh, a call with what we're doing every week. All right? So, just a few. Um, if you want to be enriched by having to pick people up and drive to the church, so to make my transportation or the means, Christ 
Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
potatoes. What does, what does it look like? We're not quite sure. So, roll with us. So, I'm Darcy. I get to serve with Pastor Henra. I have to say, just as an aside, yes to your children's moment. And I think that's what we, we do with each other, right? This is a pro-black, inclusive space where we show up for each other. Um, we don't just have fancy words to talk about it, um, but we do that. So thank you. I love that message. I use they them pronouns. That's how you can affirm me and show you might see a part of me. Um, and I'm so happy to be standing here with my friend, Beck. Yeah, uh, I'm Beck. I'm a intergalactic, interdimensional being. Um, not sure what pronouns you want to use for that, but I'm comfortable with she and her. <laughs> awesome. Will you, will you pray with us to start? <sighs> Divine One, be with us now in this moment. Through the faithful preparations and trust of those who you love, let the words of our mouths, let the meditations of our paintbrushes be found to hold a mirror to part of your divinity back to your people, back to you. Oh God, our soft place of acceptance. We love you. Amen. So we've been in the sermon series. It's been going on. This is like our second one. Next week is our last Sunday of talking about proximity, but it's always around us. It's what we're negotiating all the time right now, particularly when your boundaries might be different than mine. Um, and how do we negotiate that in this world, right? How do we get close and get back together and love each other and respect distance and hold the boundaries that we set with each other? So we've been on this whole journey a journey. And today, we get to hear all these different perspectives. I'm going to give a little bit about those perspectives, and today we're welcoming Beck. And Reverend Beck is not just like deep family to me, um, not just a person who has journeyed and sojourned with us for a period and now finds herself, themselves elsewhere, but um, Beck is one of these people that when I, when we met, this came up on a Facebook memory, it's silly. But when we met, it was like this spark of, do, do I know you? And maybe it's tattoos, preacher pipes, white people, I don't know. But I think it's more than that, right? I had this spark. I was just like, do I know you? Do I know you? So we have those moments of affinity. I don't know if you've ever met someone and you're just like, man, I know this person. Right? And you're, you just immediately resonate. Uh, a few months ago, well, actually, over a couple years now, I started attending a traditional mainline service, and there was a woman in her 70s there with these funky glasses, just a spirit of joy all over her. And I, my soul immediately recognized her and said, I know her. She's family. Now, strangely enough, we weren't cousins, but that's because everyone in Douglasville is related. <laughs> 
Have you ever recognized someone? <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> you are literally family. <laughs> yeah, that recognition I think is what I would I want I want to believe that's what I would feel when I saw Jesus. Like, and I think that that's what everyone had. Everyone. We'll talk about that later. But, but what people had, even people who had, you know, who had demons or maybe who were truth tellers, said, I, I, I recognize you. I recognize you, Jesus. And I think our souls can recognize each other. And a part of why I just love that we have this open pulpit is that that doesn't happen necessarily humanly with everyone. So in this space, we want to uplift different voices, voices that will give you that spark. Um, things that, that I've heard and that I've learned about in this sermon series, I mean, last week, Nikki Hardman preached, and, and I felt this, this affirmation of me in my mental illness, in my quote-unquote shortcomings that was just beyond. It was beautiful. I felt that her and her own affirming of her ADHD was just allowing me that space to say, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more than those things that may be our stigma. I heard the story of the women in proximity to Jesus preached by Reverend Amina McIntyre. And that naming and calling the story forth is so powerful. And for me, it was a callback to service. So proximity can take us to knowing ourselves and to why our why, why do we live into a life of service. I heard Deacon Daniel preach a couple weeks back, and I re-listened to his sermons because I like how he, how he talks. Um, but it was this, this resonant message. That Sunday was so powerful of how we all have access and proximity to God, right? That's where he took it. Um, and I preached near the beginning of the sermon series about this oneness. This oneness with God, and that's the thing that's really been shaking my brain. And so, as Beck and I create one painting together, I want to say, again, you know, the message, well, you'll hear what the message particularly is today, but there are so many different takes on Scripture. And I think today we're going after one that's a little triggering, you know? I don't know about you. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the context of what we're looking at today. So we're popping into Galatians, and where, where the name actually comes from is from a Roman, a Latin word that goes back to Galatia, which, <clears throat> voice is cracking, sorry. Probably all that drinking smoke and fornication from last night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Thanks, to confess your sins before the elders so you know how to pray to each other, so just confess. <laughs> Over this other group of people. 
ancient European history. You know that the nomadic people of Northern Europe were naked, wild, marauding times. Yes, naked. So these were the people that had lived in this area, as well as Turkish persons and a lot of other people. Jews were migrating to this area. So this was sort of the people that were here in this area. And as you can imagine, there were a lot of different religious rites, people coming from a more animistic society, right? A, a more uh, a tribal location in which they believed that God was in and around and through nature, so they had different rites. And then they're coming into contact with people in Near Eastern Asia who had different belief systems, different rites, a whole different pantheon. And then they're meeting persons who were, had come from and around the Jewish religion and were following Christ had these specific rights as well. Now, when we talk about the theology behind Galatians, what we see is that Paul is writing this very angry, snarky letter. And Paul can be snarky. I know a lot of you have been told by Paul, and I really apologize about that. The Christian church sadly has done a poor job of interpreting scripture. But what I will say is that Paul is a little PO here, and he's coming because there's a group of who are sticking and maintaining to their own sort of spiritual and religious rights and not allowing other people to incorporate, incorporate theirs or integrate theirs into following Christ. So you've got a, a, a collision of multiple cultures here. So Paul's a little bit angry. Now he had just come from the Jerusalem Council. This was around 49 AD. So the Jerusalem Council was in Acts 15. They had basically said, let's talk about what it means to follow Christ. And they said, you can do whatsoever you want to do except for these several things, right? Some of those were things like strangling um, animals when, when killing them. Like they wanted to maintain the humanity in having meat, right? This is kind of part of that kosher law was, was humane ways in which we treat animals. Some of those things at the Jerusalem Council were not having blood in the meat. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm all about some medium rare, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So according to the Jerusalem Council, I'd probably be burning. <laughs> Not that we believe in hell, but whatever. But that's a whole other discussion for another day. <laughs> but let's say this. These things came around. They said, watch how you eat meat, watch how you handle blood, and then lastly, no fornication. And I know that's all our favorite sin. But what he's really saying, what that fornication word there was pornea. Right? Temple prostitution. That's where we get our word from pornography. It's sort of an objectification as well as trying to honor some sort of fertility rights to bless your crops. So you, you basically fornicated at somebody in order that your crops would be good. And that's what Jerusalem Council will say. So Paul's mad when he gets here. He's mad when he gets here and he's saying, hey, why are you guys going back to this kind of thing? I want y'all to talk about incorporating people, letting people come into the church with their own sort of culture, with their own sort of spiritual rights, and just kind of integrating that together. But there were people there that only wanted their way. Darcy, is there only just one way? <laughs> what you were describing, it sounds a lot like what happened um, here in the United States. It sounds a lot like what happened in a lot of colonial situations with Christianity later on. So I don't think that this community is so far away in Galatia. I think I want to talk about Christian supremacy. You all know about this? 
idea that culturally we might subdue another people group with our faith is throughout and within, and, and I would say even still currently a part of our Christian um, experience. And so, yeah, that question of is there only one way is so key, because I think texts, a lot of texts from Paul would say yes. Oh, the words of Jesus, Jesus himself, right, might even lead us to that conclusion, I am the way. Is there one way? Is there just one way to be? And so I think communities, the church being the one that we're talking about right now, but communities that think that there is only one way, one belief to have, one way to interpret scripture, the literal meaning, if that's a thing, that sort of calcification of our theology Believe what you want to believe. Grow with your beliefs, right? So having someone say what is what is the right belief and what is heretical belief um, is one way to, for us to feel like we're in the in group, right? Or we're in, we have the correct belief, and there's a safety that we find in that. There's a safety of knowing just right where we are with God. I think there's another safety. So that can be found in recognition of a oneness with God, in recognition of God in death, in recognition of God and Jesus in the one who is clothed, in the one who receives help, but not even just them, in everyone. And so what does it do to us when we have to believe one way? I think it diminishes our ability to lean into our own recognition, our own, oh, something, something. Do I know you? Something about you. Something about you, stranger. Something about you, person I just met. Something about you, person that looks kind of like me. Or not, you know? Um, I think that when we have our beliefs told to us, we start to not trust ourselves. And then we have to heal from that. So we have to we have to kind of deconstruct, right? After that, I think. Um, and so we hear this text today. Before faith came, we were guarded under the law, locked up until faith was coming and would be revealed. Just a little aside. I I actually am getting back into Paul. You know, is freezing over? I'm not sure. I believe in hell. So, but really, I love this. When faith was coming, I think always in the past I was like, oh, he's talking about Jesus. But I think actually, Paul holds this continual revealing of faith, which I think is really exciting. This revelation isn't just one event in history millions of years ago. Yes, a brown man, but a long time ago, right? This allows for our faith to be found and then lost and then found again. It's a cycle. So this scripture says this, the faith was coming and would be revealed so that the law had become our, that had become our custodian until Christ so that we may be made righteous by faith. 
and Beck and I talked a lot about this in our preparation, is it the faith of or the faith in Jesus? Jesus Christo? <laughs> is it the faith of Christ? I, I mean, singing that song, everything, saying the name Jesus is powerful. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. And I think it can be the faith in and of and around and the model and, 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 right? That's why I love the question. So now I'm rambling. There was a question. But what I want to say is this scripture has been used in the past for Christian supremacy, for the subjugation of Jewish culture, Jewish belief systems. This is one of the texts that many supersessionists would point to to say, well, we replaced the law. Um, and, and again, that's cutting ourselves off, I think. So, in short, there are many ways. There are many ways. But is there a way for the church, particularly fundamentalist churches or churches who police belief, are they, are they locked into this are they creating a law again? Is it, is it again what we're seeing, what Jesus was trying to change? Who the Son has set free is free indeed. But the thing is, is that Christianity has often used this text and many other texts to attack Judaism, to attack persons of particular sects within Judaism. I've even heard people say stuff like, oh, that person's being pharisaical. Oh, the Pharisees were bad. There were amazing, great Pharisees. Mm, say that. They did good, wonderful things. They really loved people. And, I mean, there were all these different sects, right? The Sadducees. And they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> but there's so many different types of people that were in the Jewish religion the Essenes, there were the ascetic types. There were the zealots, the praise the Lord, pass the ammunition types, right? There were so many different types, and there wasn't one kind of strict flow or belief that happened. And within Christianity, somehow, someway, specifically in more closed circles, specifically within some fundamentalist and conservative circles, we tend to think there is a doctrine or a dogma that says this is orthodox. But you'll notice sometimes they forget orthopraxy. So what is right action? What is right practice? What does right justice look like in the marketplace? Now it's funny about this, these sort of, as Paul is attacking these folks and, and saying things about circumcision, he gets pretty, uh, there's small ones in here, but he gets pretty blunt in this about chopping off some other stuff too. Because he's kind of, like I said, he's snarky. But you have to remember the people who were in denominism or legalism, either the following of the law, the direct letter of the law, or even the sort of rule, were looking for safety. And there is a safety within rules. They are guidelines that part towards, that point towards that which has not come. And for nomadic, wandering people without, without access to hygiene and without access to running water, some of those purity codes made sense on how you handle bodily fluids, on how you handle dead things, right? Those are still things that, that are good and healthy and show the way. 
But there's a new sort of legalism that's emerged within American Christianity that doesn't allow people to integrate their spirituality. I was in public the other day, and a woman noticed some of the, the stones that are on my arms, and she said something to me about those stones, and another woman, two people behind me spoke up and said, well, there's no power in those stones. There's not any magic rocks. I work in downtown Atlanta, and I don't know about y'all, but if you have never tried crack, that's a pretty magic rock. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that even in the Jewish community, and the ebots, they had magic rocks. Jasper. Turquoise. Even in the new city, there was all these stones. Do you, boo? If stones help you, then that's great. Is there any magic in them? Maybe, maybe not. But what's the difference between that and me saying that this handkerchief is blessed? We have to move away from legalism to allow freedom. And in Romans 14, it basically goes on to say, do what is acceptable and pleasing to you. All things are good. Don't offend the weaker brother. Don't offend the weaker sibling. I'm probably not going to go up to my Baptist aunt and tell her about my latest tarot spread. Yes. <laughs> but when I find circles of freedom and expression, then I can be open. And we're called to integrate our spirituality and to become one. And that's not whitewashing. It's not to say that there's no distinction. There was always distinction in the scripture of different persons, of different groups of people to maintain your identity. But what Paul is saying here in this Galatians is that there are no world system hierarchies. There's no classism. I wish there was no racism. I wish there was no sexism. So he pairs these things up with ethnic differences, then economic differences, and then gender differences. Because in, in God's kingdom, or kingdom, or beloved community, or queerdom, or queendom, there's no hierarchy. Jesus flattens all of those things and points to the divinity of every person and every person being made in the image of God everyone being a child of God. And even in John 10, 34, he says, Is it not written in your law that you say, No, ye not, ye are gods? And perhaps the message that came through the institutional church was to rob us of our divinity, to put us into boxes, to subjugate and to oppress, when the message of Christ has always been that of liberation. What do you think? Ooh. That was a whole, whole sermon. I mean, that is it. I think the ways that we can lean on nominism, legalism, it's natural. You know, I think living in the maybe and in between is hard. I don't think, I think the wisdom of Jesus was that Jesus showed us this oneness at all, at all points. Um, Y'all know I'm into this book. Come to the book study. Come to the book study. But really, it's been shaping the way that I think about the, the wisdom that Jesus brought to us. It's been clarifying parables that I really thought were about loving your neighbor. Okay, there's your neighbor. Of course you're going to love because you're a good person. 
there were moral statements as opposed to statements of being, being one with the living God, being one with each other. That recognition is so powerful. So I've been thinking a lot about my own history and people who have experienced more intense fundamentalist belief systems. And so I had something like that. It wasn't about church. It was like that. If you want to know about it, you can have coffee. But essentially what happened after being told so many times that my own way of being was not right, was wrong, that the way that I believed the instinct, my recognition was wrong after so many years of that gaslighting, I questioned my own ability to find what is right. I questioned the ability that I have to recognize what is right in front of me, which my, my whole senses are telling me, right? To trust my body. And so thinking about coming out of, of these situations where I've been told what to think, I've been told how to respond, I've been given or, you know, belief systems have been impressed upon me. I say that in a nice way, kind of been shoved down my throat. How can we together come to this trusting ourselves, trusting that recognition, that likeness, that aha, that you know, I, I really think I would have when I was in Jesus' presence, but maybe I wouldn't if I wasn't trusting myself enough, if I had forgotten that God made me, that God calls me good, that what I think is important, and it's funny that I'm talking about this in this scripture, because I think if you had asked me two months ago what this was about, I really would have been like, this is some white guy mansplaining the world and telling us we're all alike and disregarding all of our individual experiences. But now I see it as maybe this is Paul trying to teach us what faith can look like when we have the faith that Jesus had, when we see the oneness of everyone that Jesus saw. And so when we begin to come out and, 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 and trust again our recognition, I think people call this, what do they call it? They call it deconstruction. Is that, it's a buzzword. Deconstruction. Hashtag. Uh, deconstruction. But I think of it actually as this, well, I don't know, we're, we were talking about it like differentiation. Differentiation. You can believe that, and I can believe something different, and I can respect your beliefs. And it's not about one belief being right. It's about more and, and many beliefs. So what is differentiation, <laughs> deconstruction? What does that look like? How can we get back to that recognition through differentiation? So my deconstruction was a uh pretty loud and pretty public and pretty online. And um, I was in a uh, Pentecostal conservative denomination that won't be named. 
Um, and I was sort of their poster girl for like some hip stuff that was going to happen. And so I had moved back to Georgia, uh, which I never wanted to go back to Georgia, but that's a whole other story. And as I was at a birthday party, my brother-in-law was like, why don't you just move to Dick Hater? And I was like, what? You like just move to Dick Hater where your people are? And, and I love my brother-in-law, but I was just kind of like, huh. See, at the time, I didn't just look like this on the outside, but I was, I, I wanted to share, I wanted to reach people who I felt like the traditional church was pushing out of its way, pushing out of its congregations. And so my car was uh, was very colorful, right? I had all these different bumper stickers on my car, stuff like Namaste, Coexist, and a little Bernie sticker with a rainbow flag on it. That's like 2008. Yes. And so, like, my brother-in-law starts snake crawling through the grass at this birthday party in this camouflage with this other bumper sticker and sticks it on my car. And I didn't notice it until I go to, until I'm back at Publix, right? And I'm looking for some fried chicken. And I come back out and in the car, there's a mint broccoli sticker all on my car. And I'm just like, oh my God, everyone hates me in this town of conservative people. And I felt different, and I felt like everyone was already calling me a heretic. I started getting those messages online, like, I'm praying for you and your eternal soul, and we hope that you turn away from your apostasy and your backslidness. As you were leading people to hell, you thought prophet, you're tickling ears. And I was living in poverty, y'all. I wasn't tickling anyone's wallets. Like, I was working with our homeless population in Atlanta. Like, if I was going to tickle some ears, can somebody please just tickle my wallet? Wait, what's that? Tickle ears? Yeah, it's like this thing that people accuse you of if you're like a false prophet, right? So God bless their hearts. But I, but I love my brother-in-law, and I, and I love I love my people. I love my white Appalachian cracker folk. Okay, I love them. Eight generations of country people doing the best that they could with the word of God, trying. And I love them, and I love Kim Claude. So I didn't get to that point, and I, I love, love taxidermy. I had to walk through hell. I think it was a lot of pain that broke me open because I was just angry AF for a long time. But those people are doing the best where they are in their journey with what they have to get towards God. Bad theology can hurt people, but it's up to us who have been given some stewardship over theology to help spread the message of reconciliation, the message of grace, the message of liberation. Because jack-legged preachers in West Georgia, God bless their hearts, haven't had as much privilege or education to understand. And while I love Joe Bob and Pastor Squirrel and First Squirrel Baptist Pentecostal Church, we got to love other folks that they've been pushing out. And somehow in that oneness and pointing to the way of God and saying namaste to Pastor Squirrel and Pastor Bob, we can bring in some love. And it's love and it's kindness that calls us to repentance. And I think it's through love that challenges that cause us away from bad theology. 
This oneness is a narrative throughout all of Scripture. Yes. So you want to bring some of those scriptures across sure, to us? Absolutely. I, I'm still thinking about messy crying, deconstruction. Just that's where so many of us have come through. Um, and to be to have that be a part of our stories and to be in a place where we can say, all right, now now comes the reconstruction. Now comes we're not against, you know, and I think that that's mainly what it's what we're talking about. It's not about uh, doing work that's outside of our lane, but instead offering that help, that solution. When I first let people know that I was going to be a pastor, they were like, but your spouse is Jewish. What? <laughs> and, um, and I got a lot of that, actually, and it was more aggressive than that at certain points. But I think reframing what that looks like, reframing what the, what the point of spiritual journey is, it's not arriving at some point where we have the right belief and changing everyone's minds to believe what we believe. I mean, that sounds like something that a charismatic, and some, someone more charismatic than I must have the ability to do, um, but that we can come through that messy cry and come to instead building back a faith, a faith that says, this is what we are for, a faith that allows us to be ourselves, allows us to be um, in recognition of the divinity in others. So thinking about just this idea that the scripture that we read today says you are all God's children, as was with the faith of Christ through and as and between and underneath and with the faith of Jesus Christ, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself as Christ. That's what I say, as Christ. And so I think, again, you know, it's, it could be seen as a mansplaining, it could be seen as this oneness that we are seeking that never maybe was meant to be one belief system, but a way of walking in the world that recognizes oneness. A God that knew us when we were knit together in the womb. A God that said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. A God that said, when you serve, you have served me. When you are a servant, that is the highest place that you can be. This is the God that we can come back to. And we can read these scriptures and reclaim them. Knowing that oneness and coming to know ourselves, differentiation, deconstruction, and then coming back to a oneness is where we belong. We belong together. We have and can have that experience of recognition together. So coming to know ourselves. I recognized Beck when we first met. And that exact feeling could be what we have when we meet Jesus, when we meet each other, when we serve those experiencing homelessness. And again, I don't think it's just for people that look alike, but it's, it's real with me and Beck. People will say it all the time. Are you Beck Cranford? I'm like, no, but that's my friend. <laughs> but talk about 
the oneness that you see throughout throughout scripture within yeah so um let's back it back into the tour i think in deuteronomy 6 we get a, a picture there and we see um correct my pronunciation shema and it says shema israel let's we'll sing it ready shema But it means a recognition. 
a recognition of the divine. There is something after deconstruction, and I think mysticism is a place where we can all go to become one with each other, like like Jesus in Philippians 2, the Kenosis passage, where he emptied himself out to become one with everything. And there's something beautiful about becoming one. Mm-hmm. Yes, amen. That's it.
We have several ways to give here at Park Ave. You can give by text, uh, 470-300-1731. Um, you can go to parkavebaptist.com slash give. You can give that way as well. And we also have a basket to the back. Um, but let us pray before um, our offering, and then we'll ask our pastors to come up and give our benediction. God, we thank you for everything given. We thank you for being able to see the divine in each other. Um, we ask that during this time, whatever we have to give, that it be a blessing to your kingdom, to your word, to the message, so that we may spread love throughout the world and we may see God in each other. It's in Jesus' name that the radical Messiah, Jesus' name, we pray. All of God's sins say, Amen. Amen. Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go 
into the world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God who created you loves you and empowers you. To love boldly. Live inclusively. And to serve creatively. Amen. Amen.